Welcome to another episode of the Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit podcast. This is Mike. I'm here with Robert. Hey, everybody. And we're excited to be here. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, definitely be following us on Twitter at LLMP Podcast. And as our guest last week pointed out, and is spelled out, A-N-D-L-L-N-P Podcast. It's been like that for a while. It's always been like that, but I maybe that's why people haven't found us. Why Not, not why everyone hasn't found us yet. <laughs> that's what we'll blame it on. Probably. And you can check us out on our website, LLPpodcast.com, right? Yeah. yeah. That was it. There you go, Mike. Nailed it. And subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review, rate us, and we're on Google Play, too. Boom. Google Play. All the links, and I think, are on our Twitter, are they not, Mike? Oh, yeah. You can, uh, you can find out where to find us on Twitter. It's good stuff. Fantastic. Mike, what are, we, what are we talking about today? What are we going to talk about today? I don't know. That's why I asked you. All right. Well, there's been a lot of stuff going on lately. Trump's been president for all of almost two weeks at this point. There's been a lot going on. Um, the protesting still hasn't quite died down. It's just diversified its efforts and spread like a cancer. Do you think it's ever going to stop? It's a good question, you know, because I really have like actually sat around and tried to think back as to when America has been so divided and... I don't know, just acting out this way over a political figure. And it's just, it's really kind of funny because I just, I just, I don't remember. I mean, we have uh, Anthony Weiner and all his sex scandals that like never died down. No one was like protesting him well, over that. That's because they kept happening. <laughs> they never <laughs> died down because they kept happening. Yeah, new ones all the time. I mean, people used to protest the war after, after not right away, but like after Bush, uh, you know, went into Iraq and everything, people would protest the war, but that's nothing new. People have always opposed wars and they're, you know, to some extent they were protesting Bush himself, but it, he wasn't like necessarily the primary focus of those protests. Not the same way that it is with Trump. Like, no, Trump is definitely a special guy. Um, He's received quite a bit of um, protesting and hate, whatnot, over the last you know couple of really kind of couple of months. Everybody's protesting him even before the election happened. Well, it's just like personal. It's so personal with him in a way that it hasn't been before. It's just so. It's to me, it's pretty bizarre. It, it is. It's I mean, insane. We weren't obviously we weren't around because we're you know real hip millennials, but we weren't around for like the Nixon and, and like all that kind of stuff going on. So. He was Watergate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nixon and Watergate, like, I think that that was a huge scandal. I mean, even when we're looking back probably to, like, things I can remember with Bill Clinton and the whole impeachment deal, nobody was, I don't remember, like, hearing about people out in the streets just, like, looting and rioting and firebombing stuff. It's just, it really does seem to be a whole different kind of deal going on right now. There's a big difference, though, with a lot of the protesting that's going on now versus what I would consider protests back, even if, you know, Watergate, Clinton, Lewinsky, all that stuff was going on. It was the left is the one doing the protesting now. They're the ones that are getting violent. You look at all the way back from whether it was, you know, something they probably should have been protesting like Rodney King, <laughs> you know, that's legitimate protest. But still burning your crap to the ground in your own city, in your own neighborhood is stupid. I don't get that. Um, you had... We'll call it Ferguson. Yeah, same we had the thing. Ferguson stuff. You know, um, Trayvon Martin. You had yeah. 
if you notice a pattern, but those those were all those were all primarily racially motivated incidents that that you just recited. I mean, well, we some look of at, these protests are racially motivated now. I would say, yeah, I guess to some extent, but I, I guess that's one of the things. Yeah, that's definitely what they always throw out, anyways, with Trump. Like, oh, he's a racist and he's a bigot, and we can't have him as our president. But it always seems to be just that shallow surface level. I guess though, when you look back before the Tea Party, you didn't really see too many conservatives doing much protesting at all, in in any form, peaceful or violent. I mean, the left has always had a history of protest up until. Um, I guess you can't really say it's always been peaceful either because you've had certain elements that have, have you know, definitely adopted violent tactics. Um, what's that guy that they uh, were always tying to Obama uh, with the, with the uh, ah, what's his name? I don't know. I can't remember. I who you're talking the about. The guy who, like, they always, they planned, like, bombings of, like, federal buildings. It was, like, back in the 70s or something. Bill he, Ayers? Yes. From that, Underground? That guy. That's yeah. the one I'm talking about. So obviously they they have not always been peaceful. I mean, you look, uh, you talk about uh, racial incidents too. You have the Black Panthers, and I mean, you just keep going back. Well, you had the KKK too. Let's you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but that was pretty racially motivated as well, right? That's true. That's that's a fair point. But I mean, that <laughs> that predated the Black Panther movement. I mean, I'm not gonna say it pre like. Uh, I'm not saying that racial issues were resolved or anything by the time the Black Panthers came around or anything like that. I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not gonna say that. But I mean, you go back to the Vietnam War era and the hippie movement, and that's I think really where you see the kind of the genesis of the protesting and, and everything that go, that's going on. And to some extent, like it always, it's always seemed childish to me like reading about it, looking at it, it's always just seemed like such an inefficient way to accomplish what they're trying to do. Well, it's funny that you say that because I was actually having a conversation at work the other day with a coworker, and she was explaining to me that she was going to be in D.C. for some March on Greenpeace Day or whatever the hell it was called. I don't even care. And she was all excited. She was going to get to go, and she had just booked her hotel rooms, and it's going to be fantastic. And I'm like, I don't think there is really an instance that would ever get me to fly to Washington, D.C. from Texas just to walk around a couple of times in the mall. <laughs> I just don't, I don't see that happening. I, and I don't get it. As a millennial, we're obviously louder than we have been over the past, I don't know, however many years. Social you know? media lets you, lets you instantly and broadly like broadcast your viewpoints to, to that point anyways. Yeah, which is scary, um, which is probably why a lot of this stuff has been born. A lot of the protesting and whatnot, before it would be hard to sit there and go, okay, let me get my telephone out, and we have a telephone wheel that we go through and make sure everybody calls. It's like, you know, when you're in school and there's a bad weather day. You know, back when we were in, you know, I'll say middle school, whatever, it, it wasn't an internet thing. You didn't get, send an email out. You couldn't send a tweet out, a text out. It was... I have to call this first person. The first next person will call this person. Phone this tree. Person. Yeah, phone tree. There, that's what I was looking for when I said phone wheel. <laughs> You're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like the little wheel on the phone when that little <laughs> rotary dial? No, the phone tree. There it is. You know, that was a lot harder back then. You couldn't tell, you know, 200,000 people, hey, let's go meet up in downtown. Flash mob. Yeah. Oh, God, don't get me started <laughs> on that shit either. But Well, you know what's interesting is 
yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like we, we probably have touched on this before. And if not, it's going to fall in line. But I mean, I remember as a kid, like I used to play outside all the time. That was what we used to do. We used to play sports. We used to play, you know, hockey in the street, ride bikes, climb trees, all this kind of stuff. That's what I always did. Did you say hockey? Hockey. Hockey. We used all to right, play roller ahead. hockey in the go street. Ahead, go ahead. I mean, I grew up in Texas, but I still played <laughs> hockey. That's a mistake. It's a go ahead. T- it's a good time. But I'm just saying, we spend a lot of time outside doing outdoor stuff, you know, fishing, whatever the case may be. Uh, nowadays, everyone is inside playing video games, and that's what they do. You're inside, you watch video, you play video games, you watch movies. Nobody goes outside for anything. But somehow, like the the protest is moving from the social media space out into the streets, and the tweets, the incendiary tweets, are becoming incendiary grenades. Exactly. And it's just, it's going crazy. So I kind of don't think that most of these protesters are the millennials and the younger people. It, to me, it seems to be a generation above us. You or, think? I think so. They're still kind of like stuck in that modality of this is what we need to do to accomplish what we're trying to get out and raise our voice. I don't know. It's a little, to me, it's kind of outdated, but it definitely is grabbing attention. I mean, you think about it. When somebody like, when somebody puts a tweet out or a Facebook post or whatever mechanism of social media that other people don't agree with, the news covers that. I mean, that becomes news. People are like, oh my gosh, did you see what Michael Buble said about kittens or whatever the case may be? I don't know. I'm making that up. I don't. I have no idea what Michael Buble thinks about kittens. I don't, you know, whatever. Apparently, you must have seen a tweet. Oh, I'm just saying, like, when people put whatever they put out there, people pay attention to that, and it becomes news, and it gets reported on. So my whole point is you can still get attention for your cause, and people are going to start talking about it without these childish tantrums in the streets. Without and burning shit to the ground, without torching cars. Without yeah. causing physical damage to people and property. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't know. I would be pretty pissed if somebody in my neighborhood, who I supported the neighborhood, I have a shop on the corner, and all of a sudden, one night, it gets torched, and the windows get broken out and gets looted because Donald Trump signed some immigration <laughs> policy. What the hell? I had nothing to do with that. Why are you torching my shit? Right. You know, like this is that is not that's not generating any positive return for you on your on your no. message. No, I mean, I don't I don't see most people out there saying, you know what these these violent protests, these people that are again burning things to the ground, throwing stuff at cops. You know, pepper spraying people. I don't see how that's helping their cause. But nor do I see anyone, you know, speaking out against it. Really, uh, aside, you know, aside from the the normal, you know, people that you would expect on the, you know, conservative Republican side. I'm not seeing anyone else really denouncing this. It just seems to be accepted and you know, a part of their arsenal, if you will, of tools, or, you know, I should say it's part of their, you know, tool bag of what they're using to try to accomplish stuff. Well, it's just, everything is so polarized at this point now, you know, you you have to either be on one side or the other. And if you're on the left, you're not going to say, you know what, I'm going to agree with the right on this because I think rioting and looting and all other crap is wrong. Just like the right isn't going to say, you know what, the left is right on this. We're gonna we're gonna back them. There are very few people in the middle at this point, Mike. Well, yeah, and when you talk about that, and I know we've talked about it before, and so, so countless others about like when you when you think about like actually trying to have a compromise on something, and those conversations don't really take place. Like nobody really tries to 
understand the opposite point of view and understand where they're coming from. Nobody tries to to compromise in a, in a way that would be productive anymore. That doesn't happen. The way the way that that is happening though, and it's kind of absurd, is you have the 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 um, democratic you know control when Obama got elected president and the Democrats had control. They rammed through all their legislation, uh, including the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. Well, That's really the only thing they got through, though, isn't it? Yeah, really. That well, that was their big deal. Obviously, his only thing his entire eight years of presidency. <laughs> well, that's his legacy. Uh, he basically just treaded water after that. But I'm just saying. So that they did that, they pushed that through over all the objections of the Republicans, over all the objections and of the American people. Really, nobody understood it. Nobody still understands all of the repercussions. But they did that. They acted and they got that through, right? And there was no discussion. There was no discourse for the most part. They marketed it, and then they pushed it through without a a discussion. Exactly. So we can agree on that. So now we're eight years later. The Republicans have come back around. They're in power now. We have Trump in the president position. We have the Senate and the House. So now it's their turn to repeal and replace. That's been the rally cry since it got pushed through, you know, seven years ago or whenever that happened. Repeal and replace, repeal and replace. So the compromise is happening at this point when they're looking at that and they're like, okay, yeah, we'll get to the repeal, but what do we replace it with? Okay, hey, there's things about the Affordable Care Act that people like. The, you know, being able to stay on your parents' plan until you're 26, which we've talked about is kind of stupid because it's encouraging people not to, you know, it's not incentivizing people to to do what they should and work and whatnot. But anyways, so we like, as America, we like being able to stay on your parents' plan until you're 26. As American citizens, we like that having a pre-existing health condition shouldn't preclude you from getting health insurance. You know, that's completely bad business sense, but whatever. We like those two things. So now the Republicans are saying, okay, we like these parts of it, so we're probably going to keep these. That looks good to us, but we're going to do away with the rest of this, and we're going to you know, find a way. So you see, like the compromise is happening on an extremely slow scale that's been drawn out at this point over like an eight- or nine-year period. Like Instead of having those difficult discussions and trying to work through something initially, it just goes back and forth over inordinate periods of time. Well, that started with Barack Obama's presidency because George Bush and Bill Clinton both got policy passed with uh, houses of Congress that were not his, his, well, I shouldn't say his, their parties. Right. You know, Obama did not. He could not get anything through unless he had the entire control of the House and Senate. And I think that's the problem because he was not going to budge. John Boehner was not going to budge. Right. And Paul Ryan was not going to budge. So you've got to blame all of them, to be honest with you. But that, that was the era of America that really split us apart. The last however many years that was, 12 before, well, we'll, we'll call it 16 before Obama. You know, both those presidencies. We, we were one country working together, compromising on what we thought was the greater good for the country. Then came Obama. Everybody thought he was going to be the great change. Oh, America is going to be fantastic after that. Ho, ho, ho. Didn't happen. And, of course, everybody wants to blame that on Bush because the we had been at war for a long time, you know, a few years at the, at the tail end of the Bush presidency. And then, 
we had the the recession that had you know just beginning to start there too so everyone wants to blame the divisiveness on bush saying oh well you know obama inherited that but no it's it what you just said is completely true like that modality and that way of thinking really became cemented as as the political landscape as soon as obama took over well and really during that election cycle so so now let's blame obama for something well he's polarized the country so much that now everybody's turning violent so we can blame that on him yeah you know and he he's never really been one to like quell or you know stop the uh the when people rise up he's just been a kind of you know more or less a cheerleader for them i was gonna say a timid advocate of of the way that they've progressed through their their discourse i don't don't think he's been that timid well i feel like he always kind of like he like shows up really late to the issue like never like on a timely fashion like it's always like a week or two weeks after the main events happened and then he's just kind of like, well, you know, it's a bad thing that Trayvon ha- could have been my kid. Exactly. It was it was a tragedy would happened. However, you know, they're right in what they're saying, and we should understand where they're coming from. And I do. And yeah, Trayvon could have been my kid. And you know, you know that that's the most ridiculous thing. That is what's caused so many of these issues. I'm telling you, it's amazing when you have a president who isn't able to sit in the middle and just absolutely bring the country together and instead saying, I'm going to side with one, with one thing only. And that's not going to get better under Trump, I don't think, because Trump is not necessarily the guy that's going to say, you know what, let's, let's meet in the middle. So I kind of, I disagree a little bit. I mean, we kind of talked about that before a little bit, and I think that Trump is the guy. I think he is the guy that's going to work with everybody. I think right now, all right, go ahead. I think he's a populist in the sense yeah. that he wants to be popular and he wants to do popular things that are going to grow the country. However, I think he is also the guy that when you challenge him, he's going to say, BS, I'm right, you're wrong, and it doesn't matter what it is, he wants to do what he thinks. And that's the biggest problem with Trump. So I kind of, some of the some of the chatter that I've been hearing about the Supreme Court nominee, uh I'm terrible. What's his name? Gorsuch? Yeah, there you go. Gorsuch, yeah. So um, some of the chatter I've been hearing about him is they're saying that he's, well, obviously they're saying that he's a a really strict constitutionalist um, and that the fact that Trump nominated somebody like him, he's really like adhering to the checks and balances in the framework of the Constitution the founders of our country really set up. That was another one of the big criticisms. Oh, Trump's going to be an authoritarian dictator and, you know, he's Hitler 2.0 coming to tear down America and, you know, we're lost now and that's why we need to raise up and whatever else nonsense they want to tell themselves. But they're saying, you know, the fact that he nominates a Supreme Court uh, uh, justice like that completely goes against that because you know that that guy is there to limit those exact type um i guess how do, how do you say that uh inclinations of an authoritarian like that's that's the role yeah but i mean because he could if he if he wanted somebody that would encourage like those behaviors he could nominate somebody who wasn't that like-minded yeah, but I, I think a lot of the people on the left, anyway, they're they're afraid of of the new one um, because he apparently is a quite is quite like Scalia was, right? You know, so and and Scalia was obviously a conservative, 
And strict constitutionalists are typically very conservative. They want to limit, limit government. They want to, you know, if it's not in the Constitution, it doesn't exist. I think that's to your point, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think You that do it all the time. Go ahead. I do, and I'm always sorry about it, but I just have to. I can't you're not, stop You're myself. never sorry. Bullshit. I'm sorry. But I was going to say... I totally lost my point. <laughs> <laughs> so you interrupted me for no reason? Well, I had a reason, but then I lost it. But... um. Ah, what was I going to say? We were talking about strict constitutionalists. Maybe you can figure it out. Yeah, limiting government. That's kind of what I was saying. I think that's one of the things that's really the the liberals are finding so threatening right now is Trump's been in in, uh, in the presidency for two weeks, and he's already taking so many measures to kind of limit the federal government. So I think that's kind of terrifying for them in, in, in those respects. And then when you back it up with a, with a nominee in the tradition of Scalia, too, that's just just icing on the cake for for them i mean they're not scared of not scared of it the you know i don't know where i'm going with that either but they're not this the, just the the threats to the federal government and the social welfare programs and everything uh, the the era of big government is really looking like it could you know get hacked down a little bit and and, and well it reduced. needs to it needs to of course it does you know, I mean, I mean, you and I would agree on that. The, but. the federal government has gotten so big. I mean, but if you even look back toward George Bush, he expanded the federal government. You know, no president over the last 30 years has made the government smaller. It's all been about expanding it. And, you know, that's kind of what they're, they're doing their jobs. And at the federal level, that's what they're doing, right? They want to control most things. And Obama, God, he hit it, to, to, he hit it out of the park, in my opinion, when it came to, you know adding programs and doing all this <laughs> stuff to expand the government. I mean, he did everything that he possibly could to, you know. But he he wants a generation, or I shouldn't say a generation, generations of dependent people. That's what he wants. He wants them dependent on the federal government, and Trump doesn't. Right. I think that that's the only reason, in my opinion, that he is advantageous to the country, is that he's going to get rid of a lot of these stupid programs that shouldn't exist. Yeah, well, and that's that's the age-old argument, too, where, you know, Republicans find self-empowerment, you know, from from individuals and, and working and improving yourself, whereas the, the liberals want you to be empowered by the government instead, so. Well, I, I believe it was the great Gavin McInnes <laughs> that said there's two types of people in the world, people that want to be left alone and then people that won't leave them the fuck alone. <laughs> that... Right there. That's, that's true. It's true. I'm one of those people that just wants to be left alone. I want a small government, stay the hell out of my, my business, you know? And here comes, here comes Barack Obama. He's the other guy, right? <laughs> hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Hey, it's going to affect you. You got to pay for everything. Why? <laughs> I didn't want it. What's the point? Yeah. You know? But speaking of Gavin. Speaking of Gavin, he did not get left alone recently. He didn't. He got maced, right? Maced in the face <laughs> well that's usually where you mace people mike <laughs> it's know, usually not effective if you mace them on the shoe <laughs> you know <laughs> you have poor aim if you're macing somebody in the shoes <laughs> you just might be a really small person true vertically challenged if you want to be politically correct mike which we don't we short don't. <laughs> if you're short no yeah so that guy he uh he took he took one for the team a little bit um up in uh up in new york city <laughs> big where city. was he at he I, he was giving a talk at NYU. I mean, 
Uh, this happened recently, just this past week. He was giving a talk at NYU, and uh, this was fresh on the heels after the Milo incident, too, which I guess we'll touch on in a minute. But Probably. But, yeah, so he was uh, giving a talk at NYU. Um, things got out of hand with protesters shouting him down. Um, of course, you know, I think he had a few choice words for them as well um, from, from some of the reporting. But, uh, yeah, I guess when he was trying to make his escape, somebody maced him in the face, you know? Just because, I guess, like, actually getting him to shut up and leave wasn't quite enough. They needed to inflict some physical harm, so. Now, did they catch the guy who maced him? I don't know that. I oh. don't know if they, if they did. I mean, that's assault. I think they actually said the guys that came in and interrupted were, like, actually, like, hooded. And they were, like, wearing, like, ski masks or whatever, so they their identities were masked. And I, th- I, don't, I don't know that they caught him, but I know these people were definitely embarrassed of their um, behavior because otherwise they wouldn't have hid, so... I'm kind of surprised that NYU even let him speak anyway. So that is a really interesting fact. NYU um, obviously had to release a statement. So they did talk about how they value opposing viewpoints. and they Since when? Well, I'm just saying they released a statement that said that, right? So they said, you know, we value um, opposing viewpoints. We take a stance where we try to, you know, have... Um, our students, I guess, or our, you know, community exposed to different viewpoints. And that's something that we think about. Um, they did kind of ding Gavin for, uh, as they said, you know, shouting back at the protesters and I guess baiting them a little bit. So they dinged him, but they also, obviously, most of the focus was in their statement was on how they were, you know, really upset that those events occurred. And that's not what they, not the environment that they try to foster. So, I mean, anybody has ever seen Gavin McInnes speak at all, you know he's going to do that. Right. Well, I think it's kind of interesting in the first place. I mean, there is a, a subset of students or, you know, there's students that want to have these people come to their campuses and speak out against the madness, right? There's a few of them, that's for sure. I mean, that's why Milo's getting invited. I mean, I feel like he's like the shock jock of politics and to to most extent but i mean you got milo being invited out to these liberal campuses gavin nyu i mean i'm just saying like and then ben shapiro is pretty popular out there too yes i mean so there's a student base that's really kind of craving to hear from these guys it's not it's not that these guys are just showing up and just trying to cause trouble they're being invited into these campuses well, they're being invited by a certain group of people from the campus <laughs> that aren't very popular to begin with. Right. But Usually the young Republicans or some, you know, conservative group of, of some kind anyway. Sure. But I'm just saying there's a group, whether they're a majority or a minority. Minority. A minority on these campuses that are trying to trying to bring these people in. Wait, I just had a, I just had a thought. So What's conservatives thought? now are in the minority. Does that mean that Affirmative action, we can get into other things that we couldn't get in before because we were just white people. Well, isn't that, isn't that why uh, Milo started his little scholarship fund? <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Did you didn't hear about that? <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know where you've been this week, Robert. So apparently this has been in the making for a while, but Milo started a uh, scholarship for straight white males. Well, actually, I think they took the straight part out of it. It used to be it was going to be for straight white males. Now it's a scholarship for white males. I better say, because the dude's gay. It's Yeah. Well, I think that's the other piece of flack he gets is being like the most anti-gay gay person. So, You know what, though? I, I almost think that he's not. Like, he's not really gay. He just says it so he can get away with the shit that he says. 
I don't think you're the first person to think that, and it's not far fetched, probably. But you know, I really, I it's it's amazing the, the fact that he's got a platform anyway. Isn't just, it so stupid that just so much like hinges on your sexuality, like as a as a gateway to to like your opinion or your viewpoint? Like, why can't you just have those opinions and viewpoints? Why does it have to hinge on your like? Oh, I'm, because it's harder to attack you yeah, when you have that viewpoint if you are what you're attacking i guess that's true but like you know your ideas and your opinions and where you formulated those from should you know count for something instead of just oh. well i'm not arguing about that they should you're right but they don't yeah no i get your point you know because let's point. put it this way like look at all the people that are saying oh damn the white privilege most of these people are white true you know and, and you're not going to see somebody, you know, you're going to see a white person say, damn the black privilege. I mean, that's <laughs> a, it really doesn't exist, I guess. But neither does white privilege anymore. It just doesn't exist anymore. But I'm with Milo in one, in one sector here that white males are probably now the most hated people on the planet. And I don't know why. <laughs> what the hell have I done to deserve this. I don't even we don't have time, Robert. You we know? don't have time to get into that. There's just that list is so long. <laughs> no, it's not. It's short. It's nothing. I have done nothing wrong. You have done nothing wrong. The fact that we're attacked for it is bullshit. Yeah. It's uh it's crazy, but now at least there's a grant for us. So <laughs> <laughs> uh well, the scholarship fund, but we're not going to school, Mike, so does that really help us at all? <sighs> well, so there's hope for the future generations. <laughs> uh, hope uh, for the junior, future generation of whites. You sound I, like a Trump ad. No, I just have to feel. I have to. I have to imagine that that's gotta be like probably his next new and probably largest controversy that he is gonna get stirred up is the renewed attention that's being placed on this. Because I guess he tried to start it a while ago, but like, <laughs> go figure. It never really got funded, but I think now it's funded. So I think they're gonna give out their first group of. Uh, scholarships or grants so that's just the weirdest thing twenty five hundred dollars what the hell is that gonna buy you one book it's for tertiary expenses so i believe that means whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> like i think that's what covers the uh, pizza and beer <laughs> so great so he's gonna get a whole bunch of college students drunk and full <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is he's a predator <laughs> I'm not going. Don't put you're words not, in my mouth. You're not going there? Don't put oh, words in my mouth, man. Robert. That's so funny. Okay, well, so speaking of funding, old DT, Donald John Trump. So wants DJT. To, yeah, wants to, shut up, Mike, wants <laughs> to pull all the federal funding from Berkeley. Does he really want to? I saw the threat, and to be honest, like at first I laughed, and then I saw everyone else who was just like reacting in abject horror, and I laughed a little more, but... Well, the funniest thing to me was there. I saw a couple of photos out on Twitter, and I don't remember exactly where they came from. Um, otherwise, I probably would have retweeted them a few times. Um, but they were kind of going through the graph of where UC Berkeley's funding comes from. Yeah. And the vast majority, like 60% of it is federal. And one guy was like, well, look at that, 300-something million dollars. Well, that's $300 million towards the wall right there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could just <laughs> siphon off funding from Berkeley. I was going to say the University of Chicago, but I'm assuming that they're actually kind of a free speech place now. They've okay. eliminated safe spaces, so good for them. Oh, good But move. like Michigan, I think Michigan State, I think, is another big one where they're very anti-free uh, speech. You've got um, University of Missouri. All these public institutions across the country that are banning free speech, that are banning the ability for you to 
speak your mind when you don't agree with a liberal professor. That's a fantastic way to pay for our whatever it's going to be, $10 billion wall. And again, I don't know where he got his figures from. Concrete is more expensive than that. It just is. It's going to cost a lot more than $3 billion. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone's ever accused him of being good at political math. Um. Well, neither was George, I guess. George W., so, but no, to uh, to your point, that is interesting. And you know what I think is the larger point is the, like, I think you can count them on one hand, I believe, the number of universities in America that don't rely on public funding. I know of one of them, um, Liberty University, I believe it is. Uh, it gets plugged on um, on the on the conservative talk shows all the time, but they don't take they don't rely on any federal funding. So because of that, they also don't have to comply with some of these um, overbearing regulations from the federal government because it's all hinged on funding. You know, go yeah. go figure. When you're dependent on a huge paycheck, it's a real easy way to make people <laughs> do stuff, right? Yeah, uh, you're not going to get your money unless you do this, right? I'm going to do that then. So yeah, so I mean, like these guys, I mean. You have to like that. How empowering is that? And and just like that seems truly American in so many regards. Like you have a university that's pushing out a high quality education to young students, and they're not relying on the government to to do so. They're they're doing so on their own. I mean, it's not that they don't give scholarships. It's not that there's no grants available. It's not that there's no like financial aid available to their students. But it's all privately funded, and it's all through their endowment. You know, it's all through them working their network of donors. And to me, that seems so much more respectable in so many ways. Well, see, now so many more schools are relying on the federal funding because their alums are pulling funding over their hate of free speech, which I think is pretty funny. Missouri, for example, I know they lost tons of donors. I mean, like (laughs) half of their donors said, the hell with this. I'm not. I'm not supporting you anymore. Once they started all that old BS after, uh, what was their big riot there? Wasn't it, it had something to do with that football thing, right? Didn't it? Is, so, is, yeah, it might have been. There's like the football team like refused to play or something. I don't know. This happened like I don't last remember year. Anymore. No, it was like two or three years ago. I think was that long ago yeah. already. And that was like the whole thing where that like professor got involved and all that. Well, it was around Ferguson, I think. Wasn't was it? Was that what it was? It could be. Maybe it was. I'm thinking. Yeah, I might be thinking of something totally different. Yeah, we're like we're being super vague. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're that was riveting. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Mike. It works. It works. <laughs> we were tr- we were trying to connect the dots there. <laughs> Just couldn't quite get that. The lead wasn't coming out of the pencil or whatever. Obviously not. Obviously not. Um, so shit. What do we talk about now? <laughs> I'm spent, man. That was good. I mean, I don't know. It's just uh, kind of like to full circle the back to the beginning of this episode. When is, I don't know when the nonsense is going to stop. I don't know if we'll ever see a stop to protesting during the Trump administration. I mean, it, it feels stupid to say that after just two weeks, but it's been going on for so long now since the nomination, really. So, And it's something new every single week. It's a reaction to something else, and it's unbelievable. It's just crazy. So... LLMP podcast, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. Just a call call to common sense across <laughs> the nation, please. Does that exist? Does the call to common sense exist because common sense does not I just not issued exist? a call to common but sense. But common it's sense doesn't now. exist. That's the problem, Mike. We have to we have to make an appeal to their to their uh, I don't know intellect. 
That doesn't exist either, thanks to shitty schools. <laughs> oh, man, we've got a lot to work on. We can go podcast. on and on about that, probably. we got a lot to do. We'll have, to have another education podcast coming up soon. Oh, yeah, definitely. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, thanks boy. for hanging out with us uh, for this riveting episode of the Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit podcast, broadcast excellence that you know to come and love. So, yep. so follow us on Twitter at what, Mike? At LL and podcast so the and is spelled out that was absolutely perfect that's perfect <laughs> good check, job mike check us out on our website what's that robert llppodcast.com you can find us on itunes and google play please rate us review us even if you don't like what we had to say uh you're wrong but we still would like to see that <laughs> review so do it and i guess we guys will see you next week have a good one oh my God, the last word <laughs>